You don't belong here. I've never actually had those words spoken to me before, but my mind has told me that. I once was invited to a wedding where the only person I knew was the groom, the man who was being married. And as I tried to talk with the people at my table and mix with the people at the reception, I couldn't find common ground or a shared interest with a single one of them. So after a while, I told myself, you don't belong here. I also distinctly remember telling myself those words when I had just done something that was really deceptive and really conniving and really mischievous. My sister once got for her birthday one of those old brass alarm clocks with the bells on the top and that you wound it up in the back to get it going and get it ticking. And it was only five minutes out of the wrapping paper where I took that and I began winding it and winding it and winding it and winding it and eventually I wound it too far and the spring popped and the thing was broken. And very quickly I came up with a plan. I handed it to my brother and said, hey, wind this a little bit, get it going. And he thought he had broken it. And then he got the brunt of the discipline, and I thought, oh, sweet success, I got away with it, until the sermon that Sunday was talking about how deception is what Satan uses. And very quickly as I sat there in church among Christians, hearing how Satan, the deceiver, is our biggest enemy, immediately I felt like the enemy, immediately I felt out of place, I felt very guilty, and I felt like I did not belong in a Christian congregation. My mind said to me, you don't belong here. Maybe sometimes in our life we, we feel guilty about the lies we have told, the thoughts that we have had, the words that we have spoken, the relationships that we've broken. We look around at the people that are in church around us and we might convince ourselves that they're more worthy to be here than we are because they haven't made bad decisions. They haven't done half of what we have done. And at times we think ahead to heaven itself, the reward that God gives to us at the end of our lives here. And we might ask ourselves, do I really belong there? I was thinking about this a little bit. God sends angels to roam the entire earth. God sends angels to protect us and to watch over us and to care for us. We cannot see them, but they can see us. And what if we go to heaven and we start talking to one of those angels and that angel says to us, you may not have been able to see me, but I sure saw you on this life, the things you said, the things you did, and that is not fitting for a person who belongs in heaven. That is an actual fearful thought that I have had in my Christian life, but it is something that is never going to happen. 
What we learn today in the baptism of Jesus, which is one of the most misapplied sections in all of Scripture, is that we belong in heaven because Jesus belonged at the River Jordan. Jesus belonged in baptismal waters. And that has everything to do with why we are saved and why we have a right to be in paradise of heaven itself. We'll learn that Jesus belonged in baptismal waters to identify himself with you, a sinner, so that you, a sinner, can identify yourself with him. Now, this was about 2,000 years ago that Jesus' baptism happened. There had been quite a bit of action, quite a bit of popularity out by the Jordan River because John the Baptist had just come on the scene. It had been 420 years since God's people, the Israelites, had heard directly from God through one of his prophets, through one of his spokespeople, through one of his messengers, and here this man named John came preaching and teaching, getting people to confess their sins and to be baptized. This man was an interesting-looking preacher. Rugged would probably be a good way to describe him. He wore a garment made of camel's hair with a leather belt that held it close to his body, and his diet consisted of locusts and wild honey. But more important than the way that this man looked was his purpose in the land of Israel at the time. His job was similar to, simil, uh, similar to an announcer in basketball when all of the players come running out onto the court and he announces their names. So John the Baptist's job was to announce the coming of the Savior to prepare them for Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, with each baptism, was preparing the people to receive this Messiah, Jesus himself. And the day that Jesus showed up, the Son of God showed up, it was rather confusing to him. Because in John's mind, now that Jesus was coming onto the scene, John thought that he could just kind of fade into the backdrop, fade into the woodwork, and watch Jesus do his work. But the first thing that Jesus asks him is to be baptized by him. And this made no sense to John. John knew that this was the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. God, John knew that this was the sinless Son of God. Here John had been urging people to repent for the forgiveness of sins, to be baptized. And here Jesus is requesting this very thing. And he even tells Jesus... I need to be baptized by you. You don't need to be baptized by me. And Jesus put an end to the debate. He said, no, let's, let's do this now. This is proper for us to fulfill all righteousness. This is part of the Heavenly Father's plan. You see, I know that I am not sinful but I have come here to identify myself with sinful mankind to live in their shoes perfectly so that at the end of my life they can receive credit for my perfect life. And part of my work here is 
beginning what I came to do, and that is also to be a penalty for sin. This starts here with my baptism. This is the public way of proclaiming that I am God's chosen one, the one that the prophet Isaiah foretold, who would be pierced for transgressions, who would be crushed for iniquities. Let us do this now. God made him who had no sin, that is Jesus, to be sin for us. What does Jesus going down into the River Jordan really mean? Picture it this way. Imagine you were there 2,000 years ago on the banks of the Jordan River. You just confessed your sin and you were baptized. And as John the Baptist poured water over your head, immediately the entire river ran foul with the stench of your sins. All the dirt that God has on you, the slimy selfishness of of your youth when you didn't want to share your time or possessions, the dirty thoughts that you have thought in your mind before, all of the trash talk that you have spoken to others, all of this is laid bare right before your eyes in the water. And then suddenly Jesus steps in to be baptized. And as he is baptized, all of the filth of the sins near river begins swirling toward him and immediately he steps up out of the water filthy with your sin. Jesus came to identify himself with you, a sinner. He would take the filth of that sin to the cross where he would wash it away. That's why Jesus belonged in baptismal waters to identify himself with you and also so you identify yourself with him. This was quite a scene what happened after Jesus stepped up onto the banks of the Jordan River. The clouds were rolled back. The Holy Spirit, like a dove, descended on Jesus and suddenly a voice boomed across the plains. This is my Son whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. What the Heavenly Father was saying was that He was well pleased to have Jesus live a perfect life in our place so we could receive His perfection and His righteousness. God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Why is it that some people are uneasy or even terrified at the thought of standing before the Heavenly Father at the pearly gates of heaven. And some people know for sure, they're convinced in their hearts for sure, that God will receive them so that they can enter paradise and go through those gates. It's all about understanding our status before God because of what Jesus was initiated into. Without Jesus, we would have nothing to offer to God but a few measly good works and a pile of sin that stacks up to heaven. But with Jesus, through faith in Jesus, we have His perfection and His righteousness. And that is illustrated at Jesus' baptism. 
Jesus' baptism in the River Jordan is an illustration of our baptism that happened at the baptismal font. At Jesus' baptism, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three persons of the Trinity, were there to attest to what Jesus was doing as He began His saving work. And at your baptism, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there in name to attest to the validity of your baptism, which saves you. At Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit was placed upon Him to strengthen Him as He carried out His work of dying, rising again, and ascending into heaven as a conquering hero. At your baptism, you received the Holy Spirit, a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance in heaven. At Jesus' baptism, the voice of the Heavenly Father gave approval to Jesus as His own Son, whom He loved at your baptism. The Heavenly Father is pleased with you because He adopted you as His own Son, as His own daughter, and clothed you with Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters in Christ, do not make too little of your baptism. Because at your baptism, God has done wonderful things that play out every single day. The next time you feel like you do not belong in church or among a community of believers, remember that Jesus Christ has washed away your sins with His blood and connected you to that in your baptism. The next time you feel you do not belong in heaven, Remember that you have received Jesus' righteousness where you will wear, which you will wear eternally both here and in heaven forevermore. At the baptism of Jesus, we remember that He belonged in baptismal waters to identify Himself with you so you identify yourself with Him. And be confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.